Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Fantasize Me, the podcast where I take characters real or imagined, and I fantasize them as D&D characters. I'm your host, Zach Katz, and today we are going to be talking about Bruno from Encanto. See what I did there? Because there's that whole song like, We don't talk about Bruno, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno. But... I said, we're going to talk about Bruno. It's it's like a fun, very clever, very sexy take on things. You're welcome for that. I'm, I thought I would do this because I just watched Encanto again last night. I love it. And I barely cried this time, you guys. I mean, I, I for sure still cried a lot, but less than I did the first time I watched it, for sure. Anyway, so just spoiler alert, I guess, because Encanto is somewhat newish. When did it come out? I think it's been out less than a year. Yeah, so spoiler alert, I want to be able to talk about Encanto freely and not tiptoe around things. So yes, you're, you've been warned. So if you're not familiar with what Encanto is, it is a Disney movie, a newer one that came out relatively recently. And it is about a family of people with magic powers, essentially. But in contrast with the Incredibles, they're not superheroes. They just use their powers to help and better their community. They're this magical family called the Madrigals. And that's their surname, Madrigal. And Bruno is kind of a black sheep of the family. Well, one of the black sheep of the family. Sheeps? No. Sheep. Yes, okay. <laughs> He's one of the black sheeps. Uh, so his power is that he can see the future. The problem is, all of his visions seem to be very negative. And whenever the negative thing he saw would come to pass, everyone would blame him. They would say it was his fault, this only happened because you foresaw it. And they essentially just kicked him out of the family. And what's great about Bruno is that he, even though his family kind of tossed him aside for things that for sure were not his fault. He still loved them so much. He still loved his family, had so much love in his heart for them and just everyone. And he, you know, he, he, he didn't let it sour him. So I personally don't think that the song We Don't Talk About Bruno is the best song from Encanto. And I'm sure I'm going to get some hate mail from that, some death threats, probably. I don't dislike the song. I think it's very good. I think it gives a lot of personality to a lot of characters over a short period. So I think that's very, very well done, very clever storytelling device. But I think the best song is Surface Pressure. That is Luisa's song. She has super strength, just nigh indestructible. And she just feels so much pressure because she has so many burdens to shoulder. And in the song, she says, you know, I, she says like, she's pretty sure she's worthless if she doesn't have a purpose. So she feels like if she's not able to be strong, if she's not able to do everything that has to be done, then she's a failure. And it's just so sad. I, oh, the first time I watched Encanto, I cried so much during her song because it was just so poignant and beautiful. And the song is a total bop. Don't get me wrong. Like it, like it, it's very good. I can freaking listen to it on repeat. No problem. But we're not talking about Luisa. We're talking about Bruno. 
So I say let's just kind of get into it, because chances are you've seen Encanto, and if you haven't, go see Encanto. So Bruno has the power to see the future, he can have these prophecies, but for this kind of D&D-ified version of him, I want him to be a little bit more powerful than that. Like, what if instead of just being able to have visions of the future, he can change the future? And I know it's like, there's that idea, if you go into the past, don't change anything because it can have a profound impact on the present. But the things you do in the present will have a profound impact on the future, so does it really matter? Anyway, so what if instead of just passively having these visions, he can actively change the outcomes? He can kind of tip the scales. So that's the kind of build that I am looking to make for Bruno. So let's just get into it with his background. What background do we think Bruno should have before he becomes this intrepid adventurer that we are building? I'm thinking Hermit, because his room in the house was kind of removed from everything else. It was kind of isolated. So Hermit might make sense. Or what about Haunted One? That one might make sense too. Like he's he's seen really horrible things. And he kind of has because all of his visions seem to be fairly negative. And he, he looks haunted. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna go with Haunted One. So for skill proficiencies, he's gonna get two from Arcana, Investigation, Religion, or Survival. So he can pick those. I'm thinking Arcana and uh, Survival, because he survived in the walls of the house for... I actually don't know how long. I think, I think a good amount of time. For languages, he can choose one exotic language. What if we go really exotic, like Sphinx or Slad? <laughs> he can speak Slad. Now, um, how about Draconic or Sylvan? No. Yes. No. Yes. Sylvan. Perfect. Okay, cool, cool. So skill proficiencies in Arcana and Survival and Sylvan for his language. Next, we are going to pick a race. So I had said I want him to be able to kind of twist fate to his will. And one race that I think does that with an incredible ability is Halfling. Obviously. They have oh, such a cool ability. So there are a few different kinds of Halfling. I think we're going to go with... I think Ghostwise would make sense with this. So as a Halfling, he's going to get a plus two to Dexterity. He's, he's just a little guy with little legs, so his base walking speed is just going to be 25 feet. Typically, it's 30, but he's only got 25. And he has the ability Lucky, which I think is just such a powerful ability. So when he rolls a 1 on an attack roll, ability check, or saving throw, he can re-roll the die and has to use the new roll. So, essentially... He has this incredible resistance from getting nat ones. Nat ones are critical failures. They fail pretty much no matter what. I mean, it depends on your DM, but for me, that is a failure. You bungled it up real good, and there are going to be some consequences. But as a halfling, if he gets a one, he can just re-roll. And the chances of him getting two ones in a row are one in 400, which is a what, a 0.25% chance of that happening? I mean, it's it's improbable, but still possible. But but still, if you get a nat 1, you can just re-roll it. 
That's so cool. I have a halfling in one of my campaigns. And yeah, I don't know if she's ever actually gotten a nat one on anything. He also has the ability Brave, so he has advantage on saving throws against being frightened. Bruno, so cute. Halfling Nimbleness, so he can move through the space of any creature that is of a size larger than yours. And if you watch him run away from Mirabelle through that kind of uh, hallway area in between the walls, he's definitely nimble. And for languages, he can speak, read, and write common and halfling. Beautiful. So common, halfling, and sylvan are his languages. So now he can pick a subrace. And I said earlier ghost-wise because it's just kind of spooky. But I don't... I, I know we gave him the haunted one, but he's the one haunted, not necessarily the one doing the haunting. So I think I might go with Lightfoot. So as a Lightfoot halfling, he gets a plus one to charisma and the ability naturally stealthy, which I think fits him a lot more than the ghostwise subrace ability, which is kind of like this telepathic ability. For Lightfoot, naturally stealthy means he can attempt to hide even when he's obscured only by a creature that is at least one size larger than him. So this means he's a small character, halflings are small, so if he's with someone that's just like of a medium height, he can hide behind them. He doesn't have to duck under something or hide behind a wall, he can just kind of duck behind their leg and make a stealth check. That's pretty cool. And I think it makes sense because Bruno successfully hid himself in the house without anyone knowing for a very long time. Well, Dolores knew because she can hear everything. And I guess she heard him every night, which can I just say, Dolores, good on her for that just like responsibility to people's privacy. Like she could probably ruin everyone's lives if she wanted to just spill all of their secrets because she knows all of their secrets. But she doesn't. And kudos to her for that incredible respect. Just saying. Okay, so now that we have his background haunted one and his race lightfoot halfling, we can roll for his stats. So that's when we take a d6, a six-sided die, roll it four times, drop the lowest number, and add up the remaining three to get one of his six ability scores. So we're going to do that six times. Okay, so I rolled for Bruno, and he did pretty darn good. So he got 11, 12, 12, 15, 17, and 14. So that's that's pretty great, you know? 10 is average, like for the average person would have a 10 in any of the six ability scores. Everything he's got is above a 10. So Bruno's doing great, which I love. I love it when I roll well, because usually I want these characters to be absolutely shredded, you know? I mean, some of them who are more villainous, I wanted them to fail, like Rasputin. I wanted him to be, I wanted him to roll very poorly. And he did, right? I don't remember. So now let's put them where we think they should go. So the highest that he rolled is 17. Let's put that into, let's do intelligence. So 17 intelligence, because he does seem very smart, like a little, a little weird, but he was able to hide out in the same house with everyone else for years. Again, without them knowing. I think that takes a lot of intelligence, a lot of forethought, and I think this reflects that pretty well. Next highest is 15. I'm going to, um, I'm actually gonna put the 15 into constitution. No, no, I'm not. Okay, I'm gonna put the 15 into charisma. 
So 15 charisma, he gets a plus one to charisma because he's a lightfoot halfling. So that becomes a 16, which is a plus three modifier. I want his charisma to be high because he says that uh, he thought his true gift was acting. Uh, and I love that for him. So let's make him charismatic. So that'll help with his performance skill. Next is 14. Let's put that into dexterity, which gets a plus two from him being a halfling. So that is also a 16, which is a plus three modifier. That'll help with his stealth, with his acrobatics. Maybe he can do like some sick flips and stuff. Next, we have two 12s. Let's do 12 in constitution. So that's a plus one modifier and 12 into wisdom, which is a plus one modifier. And then that 11 will just go into strength, which is a plus zero modifier, because I don't think he needs strength. He he looks very skinny, waif-like, if you will. So his starting stats are pretty damn good. He's got 11 strength, 16 dexterity, 12 constitution, 17 intelligence, 12 wisdom, and 16 charisma. Beautiful, okay, now we can pick a class for him. So if we are going to make him this powerful divinatory force, I think we've got to start in wizard, right? So as a first level wizard, he's gonna have proficiency in daggers, darts, slings, quarterstaves, light crossbows. I don't actually think he's going to be using any of those because he's a wizard, but that's fine. Saving throws, he's proficient in intelligence and wisdom saving throws. Beautiful. So his proficiency bonus at first level is plus two. So his intelligence is plus three. That means his intelligence saving throws are plus five and wisdoms are plus three. Great. And he can choose two skills to be proficient in from arcana, history, insight, investigation, medicine, and religion. So he's already proficient in arcana. I say let's do insight. And maybe history or investigation. Let's just do investigation. Beautiful. Okay, so to start off, he's going to be proficient in arcana, insight, investigation, and survival. That, that sounds right for Bruno. I would like to get him a stealth skill proficiency, but we can, well, we'll figure that out. So first level wizard, he gains arcane recovery. So once per day when he finishes a short rest, which is just chilling out for an hour, he can choose expended spell slots to recover. And the spell slots are gonna have a combined level that is equal to or less than half his wizard level rounded up. And none of the slots can be sixth level or higher. So right now he's just a first level wizard. If he takes a short rest, he can just gain back one first level spell slot. Speaking of spell slots, he has spellcasting. Of course he does, he's a wizard. He's magic as shit. So cantrips, he's gonna know three cantrips of his choice from the wizard spell list. So his wizard spells are going to use his intelligence for his spellcasting ability. So his spell save DC, which is what a target has to equal or beat in order to resist the effects of Bruno's magic, is going to be eight plus his proficiency bonus plus his intelligence modifier. Proficiency bonus at the moment is plus two. His intelligence modifier is plus three. So his spell save DC is going to be 13. It's not bad for first level. And his spell attack modifier is just his proficiency bonus plus his intelligence modifier or plus five. Also, not bad for first level. There are all these wizard rules about having a spell book and you have a spell book with spells in it. 
it's it's fine. You can just prepare them like any other class would that prepares spells. I don't know if my players worry about spell books because there's all these rules about like learning new spells. And I'm like, as long as you have good reasoning as to how you would have learned that spell, it's fine. Don't worry about it. So haha, <laughs> boom, he's magic now. Second level wizard, he is going to gain his arcane tradition. I already mentioned his divinatory prowess, so let's go into the wizard subclass, School of Divination. So it gets the ability Divination Savant. So we don't have to worry about this ability, it's just the gold and time he has to spend to copy a divination spell into a spellbook is halved. I never worry about that, so I'm not going to worry about it here. But the real reason I wanted this is because he gets the ability Portent. So starting at second level, he can use his glimpses of the future to increase his awareness. So when he finishes a long rest, he can roll two d20s and write down the numbers rolled. He can replace any attack roll, saving throw, or ability check by him or a creature that he can see with one of these foretelling rolls. He has to choose to do so before the roll, and he can replace a roll in this way only once per turn, and each foretelling roll can only be used once. Once you finish a long rest, you lose any unused foretelling rolls, and you have to roll up another two. So what this means is if an enemy is coming in with a massive attack, and you know it's going to do so much damage... Save for Bruno's portents, he rolled a 17 and a 6. He could just be like, actually, sir, you don't have to roll because I know you got a 6. And he can expend that 6 that he rolled for his portent and just cause that to be counted as the roll that the enemy made. It sounds a lot more complicated than it actually is. It's really not that complicated. I'm just not necessarily good at explaining things, but I think you get it. So that is such a cool ability. So not only can he not roll ones, say he's worried about failing something, if he got a good portent roll, he can just expend that and automatically succeed and just twist fate to his own liking. It's beautiful. Now I'm thinking let's, okay, yeah, let's go third level wizard. He's going to gain access to second level wizard spells. So his magic has become more potent. Now let's do fourth level wizard. He's going to get an ability score improvement. So he can increase one ability score of his choice by two or increase two ability scores of his choice by one. Let's increase, I'm trying to think. What's higher? Because his dexterity, intelligence, and charisma are all plus three. But what do I think he's he's best in? Like we don't we don't see too much of his intelligence. I just kind of infer that he is intelligent. Um I also kind of infer that he's charismatic, but you do see his dexterity. But I just don't think he's gonna make too much use of it. Well, okay. In that case, in this this fantasy of him, I'm going to just increase his intelligence and bump that up to a 19, which is a plus four modifier. So with a plus four intelligence, his spell save DC is going to go up, his spell attack bonus is going to go up. And also wizards can prepare an amount of spells that they're able to cast equal to their intelligence modifier plus their wizard level. So now he can even prepare an additional spell. Boom, he can prepare eight wizard spells. I think, I think I want to multi-class. I think we are going to go into 
Sorcerer. Yes. Yeah, we're going to go into Sorcerer. So as a first level Sorcerer, he gets more spellcasting. Good for him. Because Sorcerers are also full spellcasters. So he's going to learn four cantrips of his choice from the Sorcerer spell list. For Sorcerers, their spellcasting ability is going to be Charisma. So his spell save DC is going to be 8, plus his proficiency bonus, plus his charisma modifier. And this is for all of his sorcerer spells. His proficiency bonus just went up at this level to plus 3. So it's going to be 8 plus 3, plus his charisma, which is plus 3. So his spell save DC for his sorcerer spells is 14. And his spell attack modifier is going to be plus 6. So first level sorcerer, they get their sorceress origin. So wizards choose their subclass at second level. Sorcerers choose them at first level, which I think makes sense because it's this kind of innate magic rather than a magic that they have to learn. So for this, we are going to go with the clockwork soul subclass. This gives him the clockwork magic ability, which means he can automatically learn a couple of spells in certain levels as a sorcerer. So as a first level sorcerer, he automatically learns the spell Alarm and Protection from Evil and Good. So those those can be fun. Those can definitely be fun spells. I think Alarm would be really useful for him when he's hiding so that this magical alarm will go off if he thinks anyone's getting near him. The main reason I did this is so that he can get the ability Restore Balance. So when a creature he can see within 60 feet of him is about to roll a d20 with advantage or disadvantage, he can use his reaction to prevent the roll from being affected by advantage and disadvantage. And he can use that a number of times equal to his proficiency bonus per long rest. So right now he can use it three times, and if he wants those uses back, he has to finish a full eight-hour rest. But how cool is that? Say an enemy is attacking from the high ground, so they're going to have advantage on their roll. If they're within 60 feet of Bruno, he can just take away their advantage. Instead of tipping the scales, he can just balance them out now and take their advantage away. And that's so cool. If he has disadvantage on something, he can just, he can just take that away. This is such a cool ability to have. And your proficiency bonus eventually gets to plus six. So at some point, he's going to be able to use Restore Balance six times per long rest. That is so cool. That's awesome. I love that for him. Now for sixth level, I think we are going to go into a third class. Err, uh, should we? Yeah. Yeah, okay. We are going to go into a third class. We are going to multi-class into Bard. So he is now a fourth level wizard, a first level sorcerer, and a first level bard. So multi-classing into a bard, he's going to gain proficiency in light armor, because both wizards and sorcerers just are not proficient in armor. So uh, when you're not wearing any armor, unless you have a special ability, your armor class is 10 plus your dexterity modifier. So his armor class has been 13, but now he's proficient in light armor. So maybe his armor class can go up a little bit, make it a little harder to hit him. But he's also going to get proficiency in one skill of his choice and one musical instrument of his choice. So for proficiency in a skill of his choice, I think we've definitely got to go with stealth. So stealth is going to get a plus three to that. So he now has plus six to his stealth rolls. 
Awesome. I told you we'd get there. Okay. Uh, also, musical instrument. What musical instrument does Bruno play? Does he play any? I could see him playing the tambourine, right? Yeah. Okay. Bruno plays the tambourine. You can quote me on that. As a first level bard, he gains bardic inspiration, which is an awesome ability that can just mess with rolls even further. So as a bonus action, he can choose one creature other than himself within 60 feet of him that can hear him. And that creature is going to gain a D6 of bardic inspiration. Once within the next 10 minutes, the creature can roll the die and add the number rolled to one ability check, attack roll, or saving throw that it makes. The creature can wait until after it rolls the d20 before deciding to use this die, but they have to decide before the DM says whether the roll succeeds or fails. Once the Bardic Inspiration die is rolled, it is lost, and a creature can only have one at a time. Bruno can use this feature a number of times equal to his Charisma modifier per long rest. His Charisma modifier is plus three, so he has three uses of Bardic Inspiration, but that's awesome. He can just use a bonus action to give a friend an extra d6 they can roll pretty much whatever. He has so many ways to mess with die rolls. If he rolls a nat one, he can re-roll them. He has his portent rolls. He has that restore balance ability from being a clockwork soul sorcerer. Now he's got Bardic Inspiration. Oh, I love this. This is, this is fun. I would hate to DM for him because it would just be really annoying, but it's fun to think about, and that's what's important. So bards are also spellcasters. He is laden with magic now. He's going to learn two bard cantrips of his choice, so just add that to the other, you know, myriad of cantrips he already knows. Bards also use charisma for their spellcasting ability. So both Sorcerer and Bard will use Charisma. Wizard uses Intelligence. So a spell save DC for both Bard and Sorcerer is going to be 8 plus his Proficiency plus his Charisma modifier, which again is 14. And spell attack modifier is going to be plus 6. 7th level, let's go a 2nd level Bard. So he's going to get the ability Jack of All Trades. So this is a really awesome ability. So starting at 2nd level... Bruno can add half of his proficiency bonus rounded down to any ability check he makes that doesn't already include his proficiency bonus. That's so cool. Even if he's not proficient in something, he's going to be pretty good at it. So he has plus three proficiency bonus cut in half and rounded down is just plus one. So everything he's not proficient in gets a plus one. It doesn't sound like a lot, but eventually when his proficiency bonus is maxed out at plus six, he's going to get a plus three in everything he's not even proficient in. He has a plus zero to strength, and he's still eventually going to have a plus three to athletics. <laughs> That's awesome. Also at second level, he gains Song of Rest. So if he or any friendly creatures who can hear him perform are going to regain hit points by spending hit dice at the end of the short rest, and each of those creatures who spends those hit dice will gain an additional 1d6 hit points. So that, that's kind of cool if, uh, you know, if, if they take a short rest, he and his friends are a little wounded, he can just put on a little play. He can just have his mice friends perform a telenovela. Or were they rats? I think they were rats. His rat friends can perform a telenovela and everyone can just heal from it somehow. I love it. 
third level as Bard, he's going to gain Expertise, which is one of my favorite abilities. So we can choose two of his skill proficiencies, and his proficiency bonus is actually going to be doubled for any ability check he makes that uses either of the chosen skill proficiencies. So he's an eighth level character at the moment, I'm pretty sure. Yes, okay, it's kind of hard to keep track after a while, that's fine. So he has a plus three proficiency bonus. So now anything he gains expertise in is going to gain a plus six instead of that plus three. So I think stealth is important. So stealth is going from a plus six to a plus nine. Awesome. And let's also give him, let's see, he doesn't have... Actually, okay, hold on. We're gonna hold off on the other one and I'll tell you why. It's because as a third level bard, he's also going to gain his bard subclass. So I'm actually gonna give him his bard subclass first before I give him expertise. And I don't think it really matters the order you do it because they're both at third level. So they're both happening at the same time. So we are just going to go into the College of Lore. So as a College of Lore Bard, he's going to gain proficiency with three skills of his choice. And I think one of those is going to be performance. And I want to give that expertise because he's a performer. He's theatrical. He's a theatrical madrigal. So that plus three performance is now also a plus nine. So boom, expertise in performance and stealth. And he still has two other skill proficiencies we can choose. So let's do perception, because I think perception is important. And how about, how about sleight of hand? Because he often nicks food from the kitchen, because he has to, or else he will starve. So boom, efficiency and sleight of hand as well. Awesome. Now, the main reason I wanted him to be a College of Lore bard is for the ability Cutting Words. Are you guessing that it can affect someone's roles? Well, you would be correct. So when a creature that he can see within 60 feet of him makes an attack roll, an ability check, or a damage roll, he can use his reaction to expend one use of his bardic inspiration. And he's going to roll that d6 and subtract the number rolled from the creature's roll. Just like with regular bardic inspiration, he has to choose to use this feature after the creature makes its roll, but before the DM determines whether the attack roll or ability check succeeds or fails, or before the creature deals its damage. But how cool is that? Someone can roll an attack roll, and he can just subtract a number from their roll potentially causing a hit to be a miss. That's a lot of fun. I think we are going to go fourth level in bards. That is ninth overall now. His proficiency bonus increases to plus four, so good for him. As a fourth level bard, he is going to get an ability score improvement. So I say let's pick a feat because he uses his charisma for his bard and his sorcerer spells, so it would probably be good to improve that, but I really want him to have a feat. There are a lot of feats that would be very good with this build, and I just, I just need him to get there. So first feat we are going to give him, obviously it is going to be Lucky. He already has an ability called Lucky from being a halfling, which means he can re-roll ones that he rolls, but with Lucky, he's going to have three luck points. Whenever he makes an attack roll, an ability check, or a saving throw, he can spend a luck point to just roll an additional d20. 
He can choose to spend one of his luck points after he rolls the die, but before the outcome is determined, and he can choose which of the d20s is used for the attack roll ability check or saving throw. He can also spend one luck point when an attack roll is made against him. He can roll a d20 and choose whether the attack uses the attacker's roll or his. So what's awesome about Lucky is that it isn't a reaction. So say someone rolls like a nat 20 against him, a critical hit, he can use Lucky to have them re-roll, and if their roll is still good enough to hit him, he can use Cutting Words and use a Bardic Inspiration die to reduce their number, and just keep messing with the enemy's rolls. Oh, that's so cool. That is so fun. He just has so many ways to mess with a DM, and I love that for him. Let's do 5th level in Bard, 10th overall. I think this is going to be the last level in Bard. His Bardic Inspiration die is going to change to a d8. So now when he uses a Cutting Words ability, he's going to roll a d8 instead of a d6. If he just gives someone Bardic Inspiration, it's a d8 instead of a d6. Beautiful. And he also gets Font of Inspiration. So normally, he would have to take a full 8-hour rest in order to regain all uses of his Bardic Inspiration. Oh, and I should mention, to regain his luck points from the feat we just gave him, he has to finish a long rest as well. But now with his Bardic Inspiration, he only needs a short or long rest to regain all three uses of those. Boom, look at that, that's fun. Okay, awesome. Now 11th level, let's hop back into Wizard. And I think we're probably going to stay there. I think we're going to stay in Wizard until he gets a 20th level. So a 5th level Wizard, he's just going to gain access to 3rd level Wizard spells. 12th level, let's do 6th in Wizard. He's going to gain another Arcane Tradition feature from the School of Divination, and that is called Expert Divination. So when he casts a divination spell of second level or higher using a spell slot, he's going to regain an expended spell slot. The slot he regains has to be of a level lower than the spell he cast, and can't be higher than 5th level. But what this means is if he expends... Because as a wizard, he only has access to 3rd level wizard spells, but he's a 12th level full spellcaster, so he has a ton of spell slots. He can cast a 5th level divination spell and regain a 4th level spell slot. That is so cool! He can just regain spell slots! That's awesome! All of my players really, they, they love spell slots. They love them so much, they need them. I, I don't think I have had any player who has been strictly martial because I had one rogue who took arcane trickster. So they also have spell casting. They all love spells. They love them. And now Bruno can just regain the ability to cast more spells. That's very cool. Let's do 7th level wizard. He's going to gain access to 4th level wizard spells. Now let's do 8th level wizard. This is 14th overall. That's another ability score improvement. So I think if we're going further in wizard, he's really going to need that intelligence to be high. Because remember, charisma is used for sorcerer and bard spells, but intelligence is used for wizard. So I'm going to bump that 19 intelligence to a 20, which is a plus 5. 
So we maxed that out. And then we have an additional point left over. I'm just gonna throw that into Charisma. So that's gonna bump that 16th to a 17. It's not gonna change the modifier. It's still gonna be a plus three, but it's it's closer to an 18. So that's, that's something. Ninth level wizard, he's going to gain access to fifth level wizard spells. 10th level wizard, 16th overall. He's so powerful, he's just brimming with magic. He gets another arcane tradition feature called the third eye. He can now use his action to increase his powers of perception. And when he does so, he can choose one of the following benefits, which lasts until he's incapacitated or he takes a short or long rest. And he can't use the feature again until he finishes a short or long rest. So that's really cool. There are four options. There's dark vision, where he can gain dark vision out to a range of 60 feet. That could be helpful if he's living in the walls. It probably gets very dark in there. So being able to see in the dark must help. He can gain ethereal sight, which will allow him to see into the ethereal plane within 60 feet of you. He can get greater comprehension to be able to read any language. That's really cool. I don't think that's super fitting. Or he can get Sea Invisibility, where he can see invisible creatures and objects within 10 feet of him that are within line of sight. So if someone casts Invisibility on themselves and tries to hide from him, if he's near them and they're in his eyeline, even though they're invisible, Bruno's gonna see him with those awesome glowing green eyes of his. 11th level wizard that is going to just give him access to 6th level wizard spells. 12th level wizard, another ability score improvement. This is the last one he's going to get. I am going to give him another feat. And this is called Bountiful Luck. So the prerequisite for this feat is being a halfling, which he is. And he just has this extraordinary luck, which makes sense because he has a racial ability called Lucky. He has the feat called Lucky, and now he has the feat Bountiful Luck. So in an ally he can see within 30 feet of him rolls a 1 on the d20 for an attack roll, an ability check, or a saving throw, he can use his reaction to let the ally re-roll the die, and the ally has to use the new roll. But that's so cool because that's kind of like lending them his halfling lucky ability. Because when Bruno rolls a 1, he can re-roll it. Now when an ally within 30 feet of him rolls a 1, he can use his reaction to allow them to re-roll it. When he uses this ability, he can't use his lucky racial trait before the end of his next turn. So what that means is he really is lending them his lucky racial trait. Because now if Bruno rolls a 1, he's gotta keep that 1. He can't re-roll it. Maybe he can use a portent roll. Maybe he can use a luck point from his other feet. So actually, it's not that big a deal because he has so many things that can change roles anyway. He should just use Bountiful Luck whenever the hell he wants. <laughs> that's so cool. Okay. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. 13th level wizard. He's going to gain access to 7th level wizard spells. He is very powerful now. 14th level, the final level, he is 20th overall. He's going to gain a final feature from the School of Divination called Greater Portent. So this is, uh, this is cool. It's cool. I think, yeah, I think I made the right choice in going up to 14th level in this. All this does is for his portent rolls, he can roll three d20s for them rather than two. 
So now he has these three portents he can choose from in order to essentially just mess with people's roles if he wants to. And there you go. That's Bruno. We did it. So Bruno Madrigal, the black sheep for background, he has hermit. For race, he is a lightfoot halfling. He is a level 14 school of divination wizard, a level one clockwork soul sorcerer, and a level five college of lore bard. His ending stats were 11 strength, 16 dexterity, 12 constitution, 20 intelligence, 12 wisdom, and 17 charisma. For skill proficiencies, he has plus 11 to arcana, plus 7 to insight, plus 11 to investigation, plus 7 to perception, plus 15 to performance, plus 9 to sleight of hand, plus 15 to stealth, and plus 7 to survival. Very sneaky, but also very performative. I love that for him. Saving throws, he has plus 11 to intelligence saving throws and plus 7 to wisdom saving throws. Languages, he has common, halfling, and sylvan. He's proficient in tambourines. And for feats, he has lucky and bountiful luck. This is, this is such a weird build. I'm very into it. Uh, so my idea of Bruno, say the Encanto has been found by some ne'er-do-wells, and they're able to scale the outer walls and break into Encanto and just, you know, start shit. If Luisa doesn't immediately break their bodies apart, like, immediately and without any hesitation, then it's up to Bruno for some reason. Bruno's like, I already foresaw this happening. Don't even worry about it, Luisa. Like, have a margarita. I already made one. It's in the kitchen for you. Just chill out. Tio Bruno's got this. Bruno goes out. A whole group of assailants is coming at them. They're firing arrows at him, but none seem to find purchase. Swords are swinging, but Bruno's already seen what's going to happen. He's able to nimbly dodge out of the way. If he has disadvantage, because say he's on unstable footing, he can just use his clockwork soul sorcerer ability to take that disadvantage away. If he rolls ones on any of his saving throws, he can just re-roll them. Say a villager is running away and they get a nat one on a dexterity check to extricate themselves from the fight. He can use bountiful luck and just have them re-roll it. If an enemy is coming at him, he doesn't know if he's going to be able to dodge. He can use a portent roll and just potentially have them miss or he can give a portent to an ally and potentially have them succeed. He doesn't really have to worry about rolling nat ones because he's a halfling and he just re-rolls those anyway. Even if all of these weapons come at him, he can just use cutting words, throw some witty barbs at the enemy and potentially cause them to miss that way. He, he just has so many things that he can do to affect the outcome of everything, I guess, because he's has the halfling lucky racial trait to reroll his ones. He has bountiful luck to potentially have allies reroll their ones. He can potentially take away advantage from his enemies or disadvantage from his allies. He has bardic inspiration to help his allies roll an extra d8. He has cutting words to take a d8 away from his enemies. 
he has his portent rolls to just change three rolls. And if he wants to change another three rolls, he has the lucky feat where he has three luck points that can just allow him or an enemy to re-roll. He can do so much. He's just standing there amid a maelstrom of metal, his green eyes glowing. He, he doesn't even really have to attack back if he doesn't want to. His mere presence is just so alarming that they just have to run away. They completely flee the Encanto. Luisa kills one of them just for effect, effortlessly, and they run back to their commander. The commander's like, just like, what happened? Who stopped you? They're like, sorry, commander, we don't talk about Bruno. And then it's like a whole song and dance number, and it's beautiful. Oh man, I'm funny. Ugh. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fantasize Me. You can follow me on Twitter at FantasizeMePod and email in character suggestions to FantasizeMePod at gmail.com. I want to hear from you. I want to I wanna see who you want to get turned into a D&D character. Let me know. Maybe I'll do them. Maybe I won't if I'm not particularly familiar with them, but chances are I'll go for it anyway because that hasn't stopped me before. Over on my Kofi, Kofi.com slash fantasize me, I have commissions open. I can make you custom monsters, custom NPCs, custom villains. And money for my commissions are going to go to the Ukraine Crisis Relief Fund in order to, I don't know, try to help in the little way that I can. So check that out. Again, ko-fi.com slash fantasize me. Check out my commissions there. Uh, so be sure to follow and rate and subscribe and rate five stars and like and do the things that you do do the things. Please and thank you. And thank you so much for listening to this episode. And we will do this again next week. Bye. Bye.